The following program is brought to you by the Disability Channel. For more information, go to www.thedisabilitychannel.ca. The Disability Channel, showcasing abilities. Have you ever tried to do a cross-country road trip without a map, without a compass, without any sense of a plan or navigational direction for that matter? It seems pretty silly, doesn't it? Well, the same can be said for navigating the healthcare system in Canada, which at times feels like a sea of white coats, scrubs, and indifference, even more so during this pandemic. But what if you're disabled and you have to navigate the system, the same system that is infuriating to anyone else? What would that feel like? I'm Ryan Jeffrey. Join me as I navigate the label and the world of disability in Canada. Meet my older brother, Kevin. Hi, I'm Kevin Jeffrey. I'm 34 years old and I live in beautiful Atticoke in Ontario. In 1990, when Kevin was first diagnosed and where our story begins, There was none of the modern conveniences of today. There was no social media, no Twitter, no Facebook. The internet was still an infant, metaphorically speaking. And there was no Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, nor was there an Accessible Canada Act for that matter. Neither of these would be signed into law for another 15 years. On October 20th, I got to sit down with him via Zoom chat and ask him some questions about his journey and experiences on navigating his label of disability. The first question that I asked him was, when did he know that he had a disability? Oh, that's a good question. I might have been... 11 when I first knew about it, obviously... My mother knew more than I did and, and knew sooner than I did, but maybe around 10 or 11, I had a, I had a clue that, uh, that I had a disability that would affect my learning. According to Kevin, in his own words, his diagnosis begins at the age of 11, or at least his slight awareness of it. I, I wouldn't say it was a different life. I mean, it was, it was like any other kid's life. Um, you know, my, my biggest hurdle was communication. If I wanted to tell somebody something like, like mom or dad or a teacher or something like that, I, I at times struggle with it. I mean, I'm in my mid-30s now, and there are still days when I struggle with it. Kevin grew up with a learning disability and a speech problem. A visible and invisible disability. Both incredibly crippling, both incredibly invisible, and both having a major impact on the way Kevin started his life. You, you want to use the right phrase. You want to be able to convey what you want to, you know, an authority figure or somebody higher up. And I just, I couldn't do it as, as a young child. And I was slower in that aspect to the other kids. But once I was able to get it and get the help that I needed, I, I took off. When I sat down with our mother, Linda Jeffrey, on Thursday, October the 29th, to ask her 
take on Kevin's diagnosis. Her answer is slightly different. In her own words, his diagnosis begins at daycare at the age of four. When Kevin was young, um, it was clear he was having challenges, um, gross and fine motor, as well as his language. And uh, it was recommended to me that he go into daycare, which to me was actually a huge failure because I figured I was doing a good job at home. I had an older son and a younger baby, and I figured the stimulation around him would help. The older child and the baby she mentions are my older, older brother, who you'll meet later in another episode, and myself as the baby, respectively. And uh, we put him in the daycare, and within a week I saw changes in his behavior, improvements in his language skills, and they had a special education teacher, Miss Saunders, who worked with him every day in the daycare, and then also came to the house and uh, provided him with one-on-one support. Miss Saunders was one of five instructors that taught at the local daycare run out of Augsburg Church down on Mill Street in the fall of 1989. Kevin was one of 18 kids. And once he left the daycare and went to school, that became another uh, journey. Um, navigating the healthcare system is, is challenging, but so is navigating the education system. So before Kevin started school, I told the school board that he needed to be in a class where there weren't a lot of distractions because of his um, hearing and his speaking skills. And uh, so they put him in a pod with two classes together the first year. So he appeared to be a disruptive child, but it was because he couldn't focus. There were a few good teachers along the way, but uh, it, it was every year was a new beginning. Growing up, there was one teacher that, for Kevin, brought out the best in him. Her name was Miss Christian, but the kids used to call her Mrs. Alphabet. Here's Kevin. Uh, grade two teacher at uh, Massey Public School. Uh-huh. Uh, was very influential as well in my life. She was one of my favorite teachers growing up. We had a small class there, and she was very patient with me, her and, and Miss Bays. And, uh, you know, for a young kid that just wanted the teacher's attention and, and wanted a way to... Um, to inter- interact with other kids in the class and, and do it in a way that was uh, maybe not productive, but it made me feel like part of the class. Uh, she was very influential uh, in my development, too. For our mother, Linda, there were some unusual challenges she had to experience in order to get Kevin the help he needed. So luckily Kevin wasn't my first child because if he had been I would have got a lot more pushback and I still got some but you know they when I said I was concerned about him meeting milestones people would say oh is he your first child and then I'd say no he's not he's my second. So then people pay attention. They, they, they tend to dismiss mothers, usually, because we're the ones who usually raise these issues. 
um, much more out of hand when it's your first child. And that's hard. While majority of her concerns for her second child were met with pushback, there was one decision our mother Linda made that was based on instinct, which proved to be very helpful for Kevin's speech and highlighted the need for more compassion when it comes to the parents of children who have disabilities. Uh, we met uh, Kevin's speech therapist. Um, she was just the person assigned to us at Peel Memorial Hospital at the time was providing health care. Um, so we, she was on staff at the hospital? She was on staff. We were told that we had a wait of six weeks, which I laughed about because I thought to myself, that's not a long time at all. But <clears throat> when I think now, there are lots of families that wait much, much longer. But uh, it was probably a six to eight week um, program for parents mm -hmm. so that they knew what to do to help their children. And then you were kind of let loose for a while until you got a speech therapist. But uh, once we found Paula, she was really good with Kevin. And um, we clicked. She didn't... One of the challenges uh, with when you have a child with special needs is often the healthcare system and the education system don't doesn't... They don't connect, yes, but they also don't make parents feel successful. Mm -hmm. You feel like you've done something wrong anyway. That, you know, maybe you did something wrong when they were in utero or, or maybe you did something that could have, you know, endangered your child or you weren't stimulating them enough. Um, Paula wasn't one of those kind of people. She was positive and she did, she made um, your dad and I feel successful. So um, she was the right fit. She was the right fit and she was a positive person, which helped. Mom is very humble in saying it was all your hard work, but she advocated for me since day one. She helped me get the assistance that I needed. If you don't ask, you don't know. So mom was great in, in I don't care who I got to ask mm -hmm. to get the done. She was able to get that for me. Can you remember uh, anyone special growing up who helped you with your speech? Yeah, 100% has to be Paula Moss. Uh, Paula is a terrific speech therapist. Uh, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. As a child, Kevin was given the one-on-one -on -one coaching and support that was necessary to help him better communicate with the world and those around him. Yet when it came to the obstacles that came along Kevin's path, there seemed to be a consistent theme. One subject throughout his education that was both a necessary evil and an arduous nuisance was mathematics. And whether it was divine intervention or sheer dumb luck, Kevin was assigned a math teacher whose English was their second language. And as such, they taught with a very thick accent. I asked Kevin whether or not this particular teacher, who shall remain nameless, had any impact on Kevin's learning skills or his overall enthusiasm. I would say that one year it probably did. It certainly didn't help me understand the subject, or it didn't help me understand anything. And uh, certainly the English is a second language thing, which isn't a bad thing. It's just something like math, when you can't communicate to your students what you're trying to teach them, 
how do you expect them to learn? He wasn't the only teacher that I had that had a thick accent. I had another one who was an English teacher, and he was a little bit more understandable in terms of what he was trying to teach. So, um, yeah, the, the one teacher you're referring to at, at Heart Lake. Um, Whose name we shall not speak of for, for yeah, you know, privacy I'll, reasons. I'll, I'll keep him anonymous to, you know, as a, as a courtesy. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I wasn't the only student that that had a difficulty with um, understanding what he was trying to teach. Um, So for uh, for our listeners, um, can you tell us uh, what you where you are today? What is your profession like? It's surprising. It, it floors my speech therapist that I'm actually in radio. She can't believe it. She is, you went to school for it for, for radio broadcasting and yeah, went to school for radio broadcasting. Actually, also went to school for marketing. So I have both backgrounds. But right now, I'm I'm in radio. So that's that's what I'm doing right now, and I and I absolutely love it, and I I think I'm very good at it. There are days where I still struggle with how I'm going to say something, how I deliver myself. But I think I have a pretty good handle on it after, you know, um, what is it, two, 20 plus years of knowing that I'm, I grew up with something like this. Mm-hmm. And if somebody asks, I'll tell them. But it's not something that I, I readily share or share public, so to speak, because it doesn't really, it shouldn't really impact how I am as an employee. As an employee with the label of a speech disability and a learning disability, you would think that those two factors would play a huge part in his decision to go into radio broadcasting. You would think. I was driven to get into radio, into broadcasting. I don't know if I really thought my speech would have an impact on my career. I just, I knew it was in the back of my head and I knew I'd keep it in mind whenever I delivered, whenever I talked to a professor. So I don't know that it really... It drove what profession I wanted to go into. I knew it was there, but I was driven and I knew what I wanted to do um, for my career. And I just kind of said, well, I'm, I'm just going to do it regardless of my regardless of my disability or not. It didn't really uh, play a huge factor. comes to the label of disability, everyone's meaning differs and is specific to their own unique situation. I asked Kevin what the term or label disability meant for him. I don't know that it's hard to come up with a disability with a, a, a meaning for a disability because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Whether, uh, you know, related to attention, whether it's related to speech, whether it's related to autism, like there's so many, it's such a broad definition. Mm -hmm. I would think a disability could be a uniqueness to somebody. It's, you know, not every human is alike. Not everybody learns the same way. It's certainly, it could be an advantage to some people. I don't know. I I think disability, much like, like mental illness, is kind of a stigma phrase and I don't think it's necessarily always um, uh, 
uh, always a bad thing. I don't know if that answered your question or not, but that's kind of what I view it as. I, I, it's hard to point a definition because there's so many things about disability that, you know, it's not, it's not a blanket term anymore. There's so many variations. Of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so given that, and, and the fact that the, the term has such, um, a stigma attached to it, if you could have the choice to replace disability with another word that was respectful, that included everyone, what would be your word? Would it be unique, something along those lines, or would you have another term for it? Just because it's it's it is it is a broad uh, definition for disability, but I'm curious what your personal word might be. Advantage, um, because I think it it. You know, unique is a very good word because not every not everybody's alike and not everybody learns the same way. Mm-hmm. Maybe an advantage as something like that might be an advantage. You know how to learn differently from other adults, other kids. So I don't know, that that might be a, a decent substitute for it. I, I certainly recognize the word disability, but you know, some people think of disability and they look at autism or they look at somebody who is mentally um, slower, so to speak. Um, the new word I'd use is probably um, advantage. I think it can be an advantage for somebody. Hmm. When it comes to the label of disability, Kevin's word, advantage, seems tailor-fitted to his story, don't you think? Growing up, Kevin's advantages might have included having perfect attendance, being stubborn as a brick wall, and for a full year as a kid, he rented out a new musical instrument every two weeks. But it was an advantage that he got tested and diagnosed at a young age, and it was an advantage that he was assigned Paula Moss as a speech therapist. Of course, none of these would be possible were it not for Kevin's biggest and best advantage, our persistent parents. They humbly asked for help regarding a situation where they felt partly responsible for. What's even more surprising is that Paula, the speech therapist, was one of the few voices in the medical field at the time who dismissed mom's guilt and dad's concern about Kevin's disabilities and instilled in both of them a sense of confidence and pride as his parents. This act of humility is a good first step forward, helping our mother, for instance, shed away feelings of shame associated with it, to snuff out any assumptions and gently reminding her and her children that ignorance isn't bliss because if you don't ask, you don't know. For Navigating the Label of Disability, I'm Ryan Jeffrey.